There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com. Book of the Week, what you should be reading. The hard mail room was where you went when the rest of your job got difficult, or annoying, or boring. It had a way of recentering you, reminding you why you were here. Sit down and read. The bins were never empty. America had a lot to say, and without you, there would be no one to listen. A quote there to give you a feel for our book of the week, which is titled To Obama, with love, joy, hate and despair by American writer, journalist and professor Jean-Marie Laskus. And here to review it for us is Tom Billinghurst, content manager at APCO Worldwide, former English literature teacher in the UK and voracious reader, always. Preferably of Murakami, but we'll make do while he waits for him to write another book. Good morning. Good morning. So this book is ultimately about the office of presidential correspondence, the White House staff that sifted through thousands of letters and messages that he received every day and how they shaped his presidency. First of all, what's so special about the Obama administration in terms of letter writing? Why is the book focused on his administration? Well, I think for, first and foremost, it's the fact that they opened up a channel between the American people and the president for something that can seem... Um, unreachable. Um, he made it a very clear part of his political um, office that he wanted to hear what ordinary Americans, as he calls them, what they had to say. Um, because when he took the job, and he says this in an interview with the writer, um, he realised very soon that the job wasn't about him. It was about the people that he was representing. And that sense of duty and a wider purpose is something that filters top down from him uh, into the the staff that work in the the OPC, the uh, Office of Presidential Correspondence, um, and it's it's heartwarming um, and it kind of uh, reignites your faith in in humanity a little bit that there is this guy who is giving us a lesson in humble leadership. Um, it's no coincidence that this book is out now. Um, the the contrasts between the current administration are are there, but that's I think that's too obvious. I think the heart of the book um, is about keeping these channels of communi- communication alive, um, especially in this age where you have this cacophony of contrived opinions being thrown left, right, and centre on social media channels, where people are just trying to uh, out offend anyone, and, and trolls have their say over anything and everything, and everyone can dive in, and it's it's chaotic and it's loud and there's no sort of salient, silent voice of reason. I think that's what they did so brilliantly with this office and, and sending these, what became known as lads, letters a day. He would read 10 letters a day to Obama to sit down, take to the residence every night, and he would write on them, reply, and he would write notes to his staff on the letters. Um, and in some instances would, would take action for the, the people that wrote to him that he felt needed a second chance or needed help with something. Um, it's just, it's a wonderful book, a wonderful panorama of, of America um, and someone that wants to give back more than take. Is it the kind of book that, I mean, obviously the focus is on the Obama administration, but it's more on, we, we get a snapshot of the presidency through all of these letters, but is it the kind of book that you could read regardless of your political affiliation or opinion? Absolutely. Um, I think one of the um, the great parts of this book that, that underlines everything is is you can dip into it um, as as a lay person new to politics. You don't have to have a, a social or political orientation. Um, it's the humanity that binds Obama and, and everyone else. There's 
I said it, it would be it would be trite and easy to say that this book has a political agenda, um, but it's not the point. I think the overriding thing here is that people still have a voice, and it's not one that needs to be loud or brash to be heard. Um, it is one that people can take time and consider and take, in the case of one letter, which I'd like to read a bit later, they can take months to write and study the postal route so that it arrives on Obama's desk the first thing in the morning. Um, and I think it's very easy to forget that kind of nostalgia and that emotion that people can pour into a letter. Um, so no, I, I don't. I think it's it's freer of any political bias than you would expect any book written about a president to be. Um, I don't think it was overtly political in that sense. It's the kind of book that it looked it looked too worthy when I first picked it up. I thought, okay, th I'm, I don't think that I will enjoy this. I think that I will want to pick it up and then put it down. But I found it, I don't know about you, very readable. Can you explain to our listeners kind of how it's set up and what the writing style is like? Absolutely. Um, the great thing as well is the, is the structure. Um, what uh, Jean-Marie Lascas do, does really nicely is uh, she has filtered through this plethora of letters and, and given uh, readers a snapshot of, of the most poignant ones. Um, just really quickly, I think some of the stats are fascinating here. When Obama first took office, he received 250,000 letters in his first week. He then subsequently received around about 10,000 a day, every day. The staff that were working in the, the OPC uh, were 50 staff, 35 interns and over 200 volunteers. And between them, they would sift through these 10,000 letters a day um, and deliver him 10 to read every night. So the book is structured uh, chronologically uh, when he first takes office through to his second term. Um, and uh, what Lascas has done is she's given you samples and snapshots of a couple of years at a time. And then she hones in on one particular, particularly poignant letter um, and obviously puts the letter in print for us to read but then she goes and meets the people that have written the letters and finds out their story and that's what I mean about it being a wonderful social commentary because you get not just the letter and the considered opinion that goes into that but you meet these people you find out where they're from why they wrote to the president how they think about what they wrote to the president now retrospectively um, and she moves sequentially through all the way through to his the end of his uh, second term which kind of comes to a heartbreaking uh, conclusion, Dunumont, as he has to pack his bags and leave and the Oval Office is stripped of his decoration. It also... Oh. Can you, Rachel, go on. <laughs> no, I was going to say, there was another bit that I loved where she talks about, because you've got all these people, all these volunteers working to try and get him a message from the people, because how can one man understand what all these millions of people are thinking? And they also created, uh, as I understood, every day this kind of, what do they call them, the word cloud or the word picture, mm. where you've got the, the most frequently used words are larger than the others and so he can look at this image and see what the concerns of kind of the whole country are in a way a snapshot and I would love to compare kind of the word clouds from each different year moving forward and how they change when the communications coming out of the White House change and you know that kind of chicken and egg effect of them I found that fascinating yeah absolutely and and you can see actually as you go through the book how that does change uh, the concerns of the people writing in um, it goes to begin with with this great hope that they are uh, imbued with about civil rights. Um, then it moves on to this fear that America is becoming a socialist country under Obama, which uh, he writes back in uh, no unplain terms and says, I'm not a socialist. We're not ready for that, that kind of agenda yet. Um, moves through uh, race tensions and then um, some of the, the incidents that happened in America that grabbed headline news um, and how they affected him. 
um, and you see the maturity of him as a president yeah. and how he reacts to the people that are writing in, it becomes less instinctive. Um, I think actually one of the things that really comes across is quite what a wonderful diplomat he is throughout. Um, his replies are terse, as they should be. He's got a million and one other things to be doing. But the fact that he takes the time to read between the lines of the letters um, and respond in this, it is political. He's a politician. He has to get his agenda across without converting people to mm -hmm. his way of thinking. And he, that's another great thing. He never tries to, if a Republican has written to him and says, I disagree with your policies, I disagree with the way you're approaching this, 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 he will never say, he will never try and proselytize and convert them to his way of thinking. He will put it in terms like, I, I think we have more in common than, than you might immediately think. I understand your concerns. I appreciate your thoughful letter. Uh, let's try and work on making America better together. The bottom line of all of them is there is more that connects than divides us. Yeah. Um, the, the letter that I think that you want to read is one that kicks off, I think, the book. I think it's in the first chapter. And it is a beautiful example of some of the wonderful letters. Like you say, you get the opportunity to read about the people who wrote them and everything that went into writing that letter and getting it sent. And also the White House staff when they read it. And they, when they first meet Jean Marie Lascaux, they say, oh, you have to read the letter by the guy in, I think, Mississippi. Mississippi, yeah. So would you mind reading the letter for I'd us, to, yeah. giving us the background? It's very hard to read this and, and not go literature professor again because it's <laughs> so wonderfully crafted. Um, okay. Mr. Obama, my president. In 2007, I was proud of my hands. They had veneered calluses where my palms touched my fingers. Cuts and scrapes were never severe. Splinters and blisters merely annoyed me. With a vice-like grip and dexterous touch, my hands were heat-tolerant and cold-ignorant. I was nimble when whittling or when sharpening an axe. I could exfoliate with an open palm when my wife's back itched for, or my cat arched for a rub. My nails were usually stained after a chore. They were tougher, not cracked, seldom manicured. My hands defined my work, passions, my life. After 23 years as a land surveyor and nearly two years unemployed, I miss my career and my old hands. I kneel nights and clutch my new hands together, praying we can all recover what seems lost. May God guide your hands to mould our future. Thank you for listening to The Citizen. I am Bobby Ingram. It's so lovely. It's beautifully written, isn't it? And, and what's even more wonderful is that then you have the explanation of how long and how many drafts it took for him to get that one page letter and everything it meant to him and his wife. Precisely. This is a guy that's very remotely cut off. He is the exact opposite of Barmer, relatively uneducated, uh, rural working class boy, uh, grew up on a ranch. Um, and he wanted to literally extend his hand to Obama. That was the metaphor that he was going through to, to see if they could um, find a way to, to bring employment back to those um, isolated parts of the country that had suffered after the financial crisis. Um, but the other thing, as you go through this, he, there's, there's deliberate line breaks and sentence structures and the syntax is odd and the, the nuances come to life because it's something he took time to sit down and craft and kind of almost give this poetic meter to. So citizen uh, in the penultimate line has a capital C because it's not him as one citizen, it's the collective citizens. He wants Obama to work with the citizens of this country. And it's things like that, that I think we often forget in this very fast-paced uh, social media instantly... Um, accessible world that moments like this there's emotion, emotion that just pours out um, sort of spirals and jumps out of the page and, and grabs you and I, I don't think you necessarily 
get that with an email or a tweet. There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com.